Hello and welcome to the Grace on Fire show. I'm your host, Carrie Stanley. I'm a mom of twin boys, a nature lover, a travel adventure junkie, and the founder of the Grace on Fire movement. First, I want to say thank you for tuning in here. I'm on a mission to support women to live a fully aligned life that is on fire through nature, soul-fulfilling retreats. I'm bringing this show to life to share the many stories of others and my own of what truly following the God whispers really looks like. I'm a big believer that we can step into the life that we are being called to and that the journey looks different for each and every woman. In the show, you'll learn powerful lessons, learn a variety of tools, hear from different faith backgrounds, and hear the real backstories in all different stages of what it really looks like to step out in faith and live a life that is grace on fire. Let's tune in. Welcome back to the Grace on Fire show. We are kicking off a new series for the month of February. And at first I was going to call it Love Yourself. And I was like, it's so boring and so overused. And so I decided that this is going to be called Beyond the Bubble Bath because there's so much... (laughs) Mel's just hearing about this now. There's so much out there about loving yourself by taking bubble baths. And I'm all about, like, I actually walk my clients through some transformational experiences of creating bubble bath experiences. And I think there's so much that we don't think about, about how to love yourself that's beyond the bubble bath. And so all of my guests all month long are going to be giving you one, their own stories of how they've created this in their own life, and also be giving you tips on how to love yourself in ways you may not have thought of beyond the bubble bath. So today I am super excited to welcome Mel Mason. She is a dear friend of mine that actually came into my world, storming into my world um, about, gosh, what, two months ago? No, it's been September. more than that. Yeah, September. September. So Wendy and I were hosting a retreat and Mel was there. And that was my first experience. And this amazing energy just came bursting through the door, radiating light and possibility and power. And I have just adored you ever since. Your story is so incredibly inspiring. And then of course, what you help people with is definitely something that I know I can use and so can many of the listeners. So I'm excited for this conversation, even for my own self. So welcome, Mel Mason. Oh my God, Carrie, thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to get to know you and connect with you and and see that we have so many similarities, especially with our running and all of that fun stuff. So yeah, when I, I was just so, I had heard about you through friend Jeanette who coaches with you and then I got to meet you in person. I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And then just totally hit it off with our energy. So I love when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive in. For somebody that does not know you whatsoever, who would you say Mel Mason is? Ah, Mel Mason is the unstoppable force of nature and the (laughs) clutter expert. And declutter expert? The clutter expert. No D. It's very interesting. I used to call myself the declutter expert. Yeah. There was so much resistance with that. People thought I was going to make them get rid of their stuff. 
Yeah, so I did a rebranding, I believe it was in 2020. I think I rebranded to the clutter expert. Which which was a year no less that many people were working on clutter in their house. <laughs> in their life <laughs> they had some uh, some people had a lot of time on their hands depending upon what you did for work during that time uh so great time to be rebranding so awesome 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 question for you and i've actually i've never i don't know that i've actually asked you this but what actually had you get into this space like what actually had this become important enough in your life that you actually built a business around it yeah little did i know that my experience was going to launch into a business years and years and years and years oh, later <laughs> um but growing up i was actually like the cluttered mess and you know, people talk about having actual paths that you could walk down in your house. Like you couldn't see my floor. Like it was completely covered and I didn't just have stuff all over the place. I was fine having trash all over the place. My room was a freaking disaster. And I don't know if your listeners out there have ever tried to get organized in the past and realize that it just keeps coming back. Like you clear a surface, you clear your closet. Next thing you know, oh, it's all the same as again, right? Well, my mom would always get like frustrated enough that she would finally do something about it and she would clean my room, but inevitably it would go right back to the way that it was. Yeah. And at that point in my life, like I didn't realize that the outside is only a mirror of the inside. Mm. And at that point in my life, I was what I call littered with clutter on the inside. Meaning? S meaning that... I experienced a lot of trauma and loss really early on in life. Um, parents separated when I was four. What child doesn't like take on that responsibility? It was my fault if I never came along and all of the emotions and stuff that go along with that. I had three different sexual traumatic experiences by three different perpetrators at the age of eight years old. Um, and then one of those perpetrators was my older brother. He was five years older than me. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got up the courage to confront him and let him know that what he did had an effect on me, I was actually living with him at the time. He then, I went to stay at a friend's house for the night and he told me to come pick up my stuff the next morning and he had taken his own life and <gasps> he left oh. himself for me to find. Wow. Yeah, um, and didn't know that part of your story. Yeah, and one more caveat to that was that um, he left a suicide note that said, I'm sorry, I've sinned, but he also left all of his belongings to me, 15 years old, already a cluttered mess. So if any of your listeners out there have inherited a bunch of belongings from a family member who's passed on, I've got you, totally got you. Oh my God. And, yeah, so that that what that led, led to was what I call the inner clutter is really it's unprocessed emotions from traumatic experiences and losses we have in our lives and just a little thing you don't need to have had like this huge traumatic experience you don't need to have been abused or neglected just the fact that you were born human and came out of that warm cozy womb was traumatic. Let's just leave it at that right. 
And then you accumulate all of this limiting program and limiting beliefs from your caregivers because that's the program that they have. And then throughout life, you accumulate judgments, resentments, and fears, and all of that stuff I call the inner clutter. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what happens is it starts to build up on the inside. Mm -hmm. And just like gravity is a law, we may not all agree with it, but if I throw a pen up in the air, it's gonna fall down, I can't stop it. There's other laws in operation in the universe. And one of them is the principle of correspondence, which states as above, so below, or as within, so without. And so that's why when people go from the outside and they just try to clear the surface or they clear the closet, it all comes right back. But if you start from the inside out, the clutter actually will take care of itself. But this is how I found out about this and it was completely accidental. And this is why like, I love what I do. It was, if... but maybe not. Like, <laughs> right. like... You know what I mean? So I wasn't looking to get organized. Like I wasn't looking to clean my room. I was trying to get the freak off the planet. I didn't want to live, never mind clean my room. I had so much pain, so much loss, like just, I didn't feel wanted. I was told I was an accident. Like so many things happened early in my childhood that like, I just didn't want to be here anymore. And after my brother committed suicide, I got sent to go live in a residential treatment center for adolescents for like the next year and a half of my life. And while I was living there, I got introduced to yoga and mindfulness. And ultimately what yoga and mindfulness taught me was how to be present for that inner clutter that I didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. And with, because I was a sponge and I was willing to do whatever it took, like just practicing mindfulness and yoga within a year, I went from that cluttered mess who was fine living in filth to someone who could no longer tolerate disorder and cleaned up my space. Everything had a place, everything was in its place. And then all my jobs after that required that I be uber organized. So I went from this cluttered mess to someone who loves creating order out of chaos. And then thinking, knowing that my experience was gonna help others, but not knowing what it was gonna look like, I had this windy path of, oh, I'm gonna be a yoga teacher, I'm gonna be an energy healer, I'm gonna be a martial arts instructor, I'm gonna be this or that, and taking all these trainings to one day in 2013, watching the show Hoarders for the very first time. Oh yes, that show, I've... <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen that show? I have. Okay, so with my background in energy healing and being able to hold really safe space for people, watching that show, I became absolutely horrified. Because what people don't realize is that all of those years of accumulation are literally the person's great wall of China. It's their protection. It's their defense. And the show comes in and has you make decisions about every possession you own within like a really short amount of time. So what they're ultimately doing is tearing down the person's defense, leaving them completely exposed and re-traumatizing them all over again. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is when all the pieces came together. Like I know how to stop the clutter from coming back and I know how to help you get to a place where it doesn't have to be like this. Let me launch my own business. And that's when I launched my own business decluttering spaces. And that was nine years ago. Oh my gosh. That's, that is so cool that 
Because one of the things is like when you see something and seeing that there is a not only another way, but you've got even a healthier way for it. Like both of you, if you really think about it, both of you, the show and you, the end outcome, you're wanting to be the same, but you noticed that there was a gap and you were like, I'm going to bring that to the people that I can serve. So super powerful, super powerful in that time. So I'm curious because, and then I want to dive into the, the, the clutter piece too, but I'm super curious because I know you now because I hadn't met you however many years ago, but I know you now as the woman that is out with the mountain goats, hiking, climbing boulders, doing all of this. And when I think about, I remember the day that I saw your picture on the internet and you had the before and after, like your physical body, the before and after, I was like, oh, I had no idea that you had had the physical transformation. So that was happening at the same time as all of this is happening, I'm guessing, because making an assumption off of the timeline you just gave us. Where did that kick off? Like, was that related to the yoga too? So I love that you bring up this question because transformation isn't linear, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we go forward and we go back. And when people hear the word clutter, they automatically just think of stuff accumulating, the drawers overflowing, the garage they can't park their car in. But there's so many different external manifestations of clutter. You have the physical stuff. You have excess weight on the body. You have lack of self-love, no boundaries, addictions, being too busy, staying in relationships that are unhealthy, being in debt, the lack of financial abundance, the lack of financial flow, all of those things are just external manifestations of the same internal condition. And I actually had almost, I think I had every single one I just listed to you. So like I was a crack cocaine addict at 18. I was addicted to crystal meth and homeless in my twenties. I was in a long-term 12 year unhealthy relationship. I had over $50,000 in debt and I was almost 170 pounds by the end of my marriage in 2019. So there's been like, there was some progress where I got free of the physical clutter, but then I stopped doing what I teach my clients and struggled with all of these other external manifestations. And then finally making the commitment to love myself and put myself first and recommitting to the practices that I teach my clients ever since 2013, like my life has just got better. I got out of the unhealthy relationship. I got out of the $50,000 in debt. I committed to getting the best body, like getting my 20 year old body back. And instead I got into the best shape I've ever been ever in. Yeah. Like when I say, when you guys go follow her, when I say like the physical transformation, like you know, usually you'll see like, oh, they got fitter. They lost, you know, a lot of pounds and they thinned down. I mean, like, like muscular, like super, super fit. Like think of a rock climber fit. It wasn't just like, I lost weight. It was, I got freaking in badass shape. That's <laughs> yes. I'm in killer shape. I actually, people are always and like, not and not in the gym. <laughs> oh, that boring, like go lift weights workout? No, no, rock climbing and running. <laughs> Which you said you would never do, by the way. Yes, I, ga- I gained 15 pounds of muscle just in the last year. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it's been so incredible. So take us on a ride a little bit because, (laughs) because there had to be some pivotal moments where you made choice points. Yeah. So take us into a few because you just talked about, I had all of these things, but I didn't get rid of all of them at once. And I think that it's so important for us to realize it's a journey and it will manifest in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest pivotal points was, so I had, I, I wasn't doing what I teach my clients, but I was also, I was extremely spiritual. So I was like, you know, I was always studying things and I got into a relationship with a woman who, and you know, I have a really big bright light, right, Harry? Like I just like shine. And so for this woman that I got married to basically felt that my light shone too bright and felt like I was stealing her stage. And after having the loss of my brother and my father, my parents separating early and my, I had abandonment issues with my mom, she left me all over the place. I had huge separation anxiety. And so I stayed in this relationship and I became willing to shut my light down mm-hmm. to stay in this relationship. And so what that looked like was not taking care of myself in any way, like not taking time for myself. I, I put all of my attention onto her and she was struggling with insomnia and anxiety. And it was like this really stressful period in our lives. And I stopped doing anything spiritual, connecting to any, I wasn't reading books anymore because she thought I was a walking spiritual Bible or whatever. And like, cause that's all I would read. I wouldn't read fiction. Um, yeah. I just always read self-development. And so in order to stay in that relationship, I stopped doing all of that. And then within six years in 2013, I found myself contemplating suicide again. Mm. And I was like, I had always known from everything that I ever read that it was our birthright to experience happiness and abundance in every area of our lives, right? And I was literally so depleted and tapped out that I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm either going to end my life right now and just be done with it and come back in another body and start all the fuck over again or I'm going to do whatever it takes to experience my birthright. And I chose the latter, obviously, and I did two things. I changed two things in my life. I started teaching what I teach my clients, which is the allowing the now practice, which is simply just being willing to look within and be present for your own experience for five minutes a day. Like that's it, five minutes a day. And I have this other practice that I teach called becoming a happiness seeking missile. All right. Yeah. So, you know, a heat seeking missile in the military, it locks onto a heat signature and it doesn't let go until it makes impact. Right. So becoming a happiness seeking missile is just training yourself to find what feels good because we're our, our brains are always trying to protect us. So it's always going to the negative, like what's not working, where could you die? What's wrong? I need to keep you alive. Right. So we get to retrain that default to find what feels good. And so I committed to doing that for five minutes a day and just consistently becoming a happiness seeking missile. And within six months, I was able to get an opportunity to generate an opportunity to leave the job I was at to take my first step at being my own boss, which I became an independent contractor for these two women who had more money than God. And they like signed me up to be their personal assistant. And I signed a contract for a year because I was leaving a really good job with really good benefits. I was actually in line to take the company over if the owner died, like he was grooming me. Mm -hmm. And 
within two weeks, they're like, you know what, this isn't really working out and we need to go do this. And so we're just going to pay you for the balance of your contract. And oh, so wow. <laughs> I you received a year sabbatical. Hey, <laughs> so wait, so I got a $50,000 check in the mail. Oh my gosh. And they're like, oh, by the way, you can keep the MacBook Pro that we bought you to do your job. Mm -hmm. awesome. And so <laughs> I took six months off and that's when I watched the show Hoarders for the first time and got the idea about my business. And that's when I launched my business. You know, what's so fascinating about this is I, back in 2013, so 10 years ago, um, it'll be 10 years ago in December of this year. It's my 10 year anniversary of when I got fired. And I kind of had the same, like, I think I had five months of, okay, figure out, like take off, figure out your life. And that's when I decided, even though it wasn't this track or any of those things, that's when I was like, oh, there's something more for me. There's something different for me. And that's when, for the very first time, I was like, I could start a business. Like it never, it wasn't even a thought <laughs> that was there, but it was, the beautiful thing about that was it was kind of in that same incubation period that you weren't expecting. Um, I always say gifts wrap in sand, in sandpaper. Um, yes. And what I think is so fascinating when I'm listening to you is that is sometimes when those things happen, like they've been coming into our reality for a while, but something has had to shift and massively disrupt us for it to actually appear and get our attention. Yes. And that's when it was like, oh, this has actually been a path for you for a long time, but you actually got to see it during that time. Yeah. And also the space, like space. you had five minutes. The space is so important. Creating the space for right now, creating space for the magic to happen. Yes. I always talk about magic and miracles. So yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell us then, when did you decide to take your body transformation on? <clears throat> yeah. So I was pretty uh in a in my relationship with my ex-wife, it was pretty enmeshed. It was pretty unhealthy. There was a lot of stuff there. So once I made the commitment to putting my happiness first and all that, it still took another six years for the unenmeshment and for it to finally, for the vibrations to raise enough to actually separate. And that was in 2019. And when I made the decision to leave her, I made, before I knew about the power of declarations through leadership, I made a declaration that I was going to get my 20 year old body back. I didn't make a plan. I didn't like decide I was going to okay. do anything differently. I just made this fucking declaration that I wanted my 20 year old body back. And next thing you know, a month later, I, I, I served on a board with someone who owned a rock climbing gym here in the desert. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, I used to love rock climbing when I was a kid. I'd been to camp and done some things. I've done some real rock climbing on actual rocks. Let me start going to this gym. And I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with climbing. I was going, it was only a half an hour away. I was going three times a week. And then as you create space in your life, 
it, things start to come after. Like, I was like, oh, I got to go on this diet to lose weight or whatever. These different things started showing up in my life for actions to take. So at first I thought, you know, I was vegetarian for a little while. And then the energy came to try to be vegan for a little bit and see how that went. And that was like a little rigid. And then I got into intermittent fasting. So that combined with rock climbing, I just shed a ton of weight and started getting carved up. Like all my muscles started getting carved up. And then it was what a year later yeah because it was all of 2022 um a year later i had some friends that were training a group of women to run a half marathon and a full marathon and they invited me and i'm like i don't fucking run and i hike but and i climb but i don't run i want to keep all my original body parts i don't want replacement knees i don't want replacement hips like I want all my original parts. Like, I mean, I wanted my original parts so bad I never even grew wisdom teeth to have them removed, okay? Yeah. So, and so, but they were like, oh, we can teach you how to run without damaging anything. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, I might actually like it because I love being outdoors hiking. And sure enough, I fell in love with running and then I ran a half marathon and a full marathon and now I'm training for my first 50K and I have a private coach. It's amazing. It is amazing when we just like follow those little whispers um, and we start saying yes to things that even we think are like not possible at all. And then you look back and you're like, now here I am training for a 50K, which you're going to do this year, right? Yeah. So I pretty much have narrowed it down. I'm going to be doing the Red Rock Canyon Blue Diamond in Nevada in, in November. Oh my goodness. We're, there's so many of us that are doing something in November. That's like really big. So, cause I'll be in the New York city marathon. So we'll what's be the date of New York city? November 5th. Yeah. So what's the date of the blue diamond? The 11th. And for me, if I never have to run on asphalt again, it'll be too soon. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. It's all good. I think once I hit my, I honestly think so. Um, so I'll be looking you up when this happens, but once I absolutely hit my Boston goal of qualifying for Boston, because like everything right now is leading to that, I think I will move into trail running ultras, mm. like because I'll let go of any kind of time qualification or anything yeah. like that. And yeah, who knows, right? Because it could be over the next couple of years, but I just feel like that's going to be my next piece and, and just being out. I love being out, you know, on hikes and trails and different things like that. So I think combining that for the ultra marathons and doing the trail running just feels like a natural fit for me moving into that next chapter. So I might be joining you on some ultras after, uh, after I hit my Boston goal. So that's, that's going to be so much fun. Cause like, once you start running on trails, like it's like, there's such a difference between running on asphalt and running on trails. Like mentally, it's like, I would like kind of dread my long runs uh -huh. for training for the marathon on asphalt. But when I go out on a trail, I'm like, oh, I only get to run 10 miles today. Yeah. Like I just, you, you just want to keep going. And, you know, different things like that, that you get to see. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally think I'll be joining you on those. So if somebody's listening in, I want to get into some tactical things. So yeah. if somebody's <laughs> listening in, where would you have them start if one, they're starting to hear you one, they're noticing that maybe they've got clutter, like physical clutter in their house. 
Um, and they're thinking about it from that standpoint, but they're also like starting to put together some dots with what you're saying and, and noticing like all that list that you lift listed off of different types of clutter. They're checking boxes of where is it for you? Where would you tell them to start? Yeah, great question. Great question. So first, all clutter, whether it's physical, weight, money, whatever the manifestation is, it all accumulates for one reason. It's super, super simple. It comes from an unwillingness to look. That's mm -hmm. it. Super, super simple. So tell and us if more the, about that. Yeah, so if the piles are accumulating or the weight's going on the body, you're just not willing to look at it and make the decision. So like it's avoidance, right? So it's this energy of avoidance. And really when you think about it, we can only ever be in one of two states and never both at the same time. We're either avoiding what's uncomfortable or like resisting and hanging on to something, which is fear, or we're in a state of allowing and we're open and it's a state of faith, right? And so an unwillingness to look is resistance, but also because the outside is only a mirror of the inside, when you're unwilling to look at what's going on out there, all it means is you're unwilling to look at what's going on inside of yourself. Like that's it. And that's all that shifted for me was I became willing to look. And so for all of you out there listening that you're like, have a, an aversion to meditation, this is perfect for you because it's not meditation. Okay. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> just, somebody just was like, oh my goodness. Right. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to quiet your mind. You don't have to bring your attention back to anything. As a matter of fact, I, I liken it to the game whack-a-mole. You know oh, the game whack-a-mole? Yes. Whack yes. I totally right. remember whack-a-mole. So you got the little moles popping up and you got this mallet and you don't know where they're going to pop up. So it's a practice I teach my clients is called allowing the now. It's how to become willing to look within, but it's allowing your attention to go to whatever's calling it in the moment because it's about allowing the moment to be exactly as it is without needing to change it or fix it or do anything. There's plenty of other times to do that in your life, but training yourself to be in this open, receptive state of allowing whatever's happening is really the secret sauce. It's the willingness to look, it comes down to willingness. And so <clears throat> first becoming willing to look within yourself and allowing whatever's showing up. And you can pay attention to a bunch of different stuff. You can pay attention to the fact that you're thinking, it's like, oh, my mind is racing or I'm worrying, or maybe you notice a physical sensation. You finally notice your sits bones sitting on the chair or, some people notice being in a body for the first time because they've never connected to their body below their neck. Like they don't even realize they're in a body, right? Um, or you can notice emotions that start to come up. Maybe emotions start to surface. Or maybe you hear sounds or smells, or if your eyes are open, you see things. So you're literally just becoming willing to look at what's happening in the moment, whatever's happening, and you can't get it wrong if you just become willing to look. And who doesn't have five minutes in the day to do that? Right. Love that. Yeah. Five minutes. Super simple. Super simple. And you can do it while you're brushing your teeth, like or washing the dishes, right? So you can what I call habit stacking, right? <clears throat> so first it becomes willing to look. If you want the lasting change on the outside to happen, it gets to start from the inside first. So becoming willing to look. When you become willing to look at the inside, you will eventually spontaneously and effortlessly start becoming to 
becoming willing to look at what's going on outside. You will find yourself just like unconsciously like going through a junk drawer or going to your storage unit to start going through stuff without forcing yourself to do it, right? So then what do you do when you actually have the urge to keep it simple and not feel overwhelmed and like, oh my God, I have all this stuff. What do I do with it? Yeah. What I always teach is to start super small. Like everybody's like, they'll tackle the whole entire closet or the pantry all at once or rip everything out of the garage and pull it out on the driveway. And they're like, oh my God, what do I do with all this? Right? Mm -hmm. So the way I break it down is one square foot at a time. Like literally only address what's in a square foot, make your decisions about what's in that square foot first, and then move on to the next. And when you get through one square foot, you get that completion energy. So you get the dopamine hit and you're like, oh, this wasn't so bad. And then you move on to the next. So if you're, if you're working in a room, like say you're going into your bedroom, my, my, my plan of attack is start with what's on the floor first, one square foot at a time, just go around and get the floor clear, then any other visible surfaces, and then deal with what's hidden behind the doors and in the drawers, right? So deal with all the visible stuff first, but always one square foot at a time. And then this is my favorite part. So everybody out there that has a really hard time making decisions, oh, I can't make up my mind, I don't know what to do, I have a five second rule. If you're looking at it for five seconds, you're keeping it for now. There's no judgment. Mm -hmm. Just keeping it for now because you've been accumulating for however many years you've been accumulating, you're not gonna let go of it all at once. It's just not gonna happen. So let go of what you're willing to let go of within five seconds, keep what you're keeping and move on and start building that letting go muscle and then the next time you go through, you'll let go of more and more and more. But it's really important, my philosophy is that you don't let go of anything you're not ready to let go of. Don't force yourself to get rid of anything you're not ready to because it's more detrimental. So there was, there was actually a bunch of books that I was super attached to. I would read them all the time. I would re-reference them. It wasn't like they were just sitting on my shelf collecting dust. But I had been carrying them since 1998 and swore that I would never get rid of them, right? And then about two years ago, I'm just sitting down putting my shoes on. I look at my bookshelf and I'm like, oh, it's time for you to go now. Just like that. After 20 plus years of hanging on to them, it was like, okay, now I'm ready to let you go. And so don't focus on what you hang on to. Just focus on what you let go of. And I promise you, just by you being willing to look, you will let go of 30 to 60% without even trying. So become willing to look at what's going on inside. You'll become willing to look at what's going on outside. Start small, one square foot at a time, and use the five-second rule. Mm. This is all so valuable. And one, it makes it super simple and doesn't make you get rid of things because of some sort of rule or something like that, which I, I love that. But I'm also like thinking back as, as you're talking through this process, because there was a time that when, so my, my house was custom built between uh, my ex-husband and I, and I was still living in the house. And a couple of times I put the house up for sale for a few different reasons. And it was so interesting because one is, is it never sold. Sometimes it felt like it should. Sometimes the kids weren't ready to get rid of it, whatever it may be. And then 
there was a space where all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I just wanted to go through the house. Like I just was ready to like close a chapter and go through the house. And I had no idea that there was so much stuff in the house that was still related to my marriage from however long, because I hadn't like done this big thing. I'd only been getting rid of like little things at a time. And then there was a moment, there was a summer where I was like, I'm ready to do like a big sweep. And so I got one of those like, you know, giant dumpsters. (laughs) Love it. And I, I even, I remember showing the thing on Facebook, like I filled it up so much that I had to order another dumpster. And I was just in an energy of like, I was so ready to let stuff go. And then what was, what was interesting was then after that, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm ready to let the house go. And what was interesting then was, so was my kids. Mm, Yeah. And, and. And the house then sold without being on the market. It, it sold through a text message. Nobody even knew I was even, nobody even knew I had the thought of selling it. Wow. And somebody texted me and said, I have somebody that might be interested in buying your house. I know you had it on sale a couple of years ago. Would you happen to still want to buy it? <laughs> I love it. And, um, and I sold it a week later through a text message. No, like no, nothing else. And it was, it was something where it wasn't until I had an energy of releasing it. And so then when I moved into my, um, my, I helped my grandmother pass away that fall and I just automatically moved into her house because it was sitting empty and was there for a little bit before I moved into where I am now. But what was interesting was every time I was ready to let go of more things. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, it, and it took that like multiple processes that I was ready to let go of more things. And so it resonates so much that it just like giving yourself permission to honor the process and yes. that there will be times because it was so clear for me of just like, Oh, I'm ready to let all of this go. And not only that, I hadn't even realized how much I had accumulated. And then I yeah. was like, why do we have all this stuff? Like, <laughs> why? I don't because you just haven't looked at it. Right. Right. Just haven't looked at it. So yeah. And it's interesting. Even when people like make a decision about what they're keeping and then they go to put it away, they'll let go of even more because they're yeah. looking at it again in the same session. Yeah. And in, in a new perspective. So yeah. yeah. Is there any, mm. I don't know why this is coming to me right now, but is there any, like if you gave somebody a couple of questions, you know, like almost like a couple of journal questions or a couple of like, to just be walking around their house or just to, to look in their life right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you're, when you're making the decisions, like I, I like to support people because in, when you're at, cause people have a hard time like thinking through and making the decision about, should I keep this? I don't know. You know, do I need this someday? Whatever. It's like, so just be willing to be rigorously honest and be like, okay, so when was the last time that I used this? First of all, right. Mm-hmm. What is the likelihood that I'm really going to use it? Mm-hmm. And do I freaking love it? Like, especially with clothing, like if it's, if it's clothing and you don't love the way you feel in it, don't freaking keep it. Why would you wear something you don't love? Right. So 
just a couple questions to start probing that really supports people in, oh, you know what? Yeah, no. And I've actually had clients who are like, oh, I, I love this until they put it on. They're like, oh, no, I don't. And things that they didn't think that they loved that they put on, and they're like, oh, no, I really do like this and had the opposite. So just being willing to be rigorously honest and like, when was the last time you used it? What's the likelihood you're really going to use it? And also, it's about trusting that all of your needs are always taken care of. And even if you let go of something you may need someday, the means for you to get that thing again will always show up. Mm -hmm. And so perfect example is when I, I crashed my truck in 2021. And as soon as I crashed my truck, being the clutter expert, I got rid of all the maintenance files, right? But I had just got new tires and an alternator and I was on the phone with the insurance company. And they're like, oh, that yeah, all you got to do is upload the receipts and that'll help increase the value of what you get for your total loss. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm the clutter expert. I already got rid of everything and it's on the recycle truck. But I called my mechanic and within 30 minutes, I had every freaking piece of every receipt for everything that I had done for the entire year and sent it to the insurance company. Yeah. And you didn't have to keep it. How amazing is that? Right. So even if you let go, and I've let go of books that I wanted to read again, but I always had the money to buy them again. Because here's the thing, if you, I want to leave you with this, if you hang on to something that you're not using, you're hanging on to it. First of all, just hanging on is blocking the flow, right? But everything is made with a purpose. Books are meant to be read. Clothes are meant to be worn. Dishes are meant to be used. The fine china is meant to be used. <laughs> And so if you're not using it, you're literally stifling its purpose. And stifling flow. Like exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Okay. I've got two questions to close. <laughs> One is I'm on a mission this year to read 60 books, yes. not keep 60 books, but read 60 books. And so one of the things that I'm doing is always asking any guest that comes on, what are you reading right now? And based off of what we talked about, what's the number one book that has impacted you that you would tell the readers to read? God, I'm reading three books right now. I'm reading uh, The Millennial Samurai by George Stanos. He was uh, governor or something, something of whatever, Nevada. I'm reading The Body Keeps the Score by oh, Bessel that's on my van der Kolb. Um, and now I'm reading High Digger for Beginners. Uh, I think that's how you say it, Heidegger for beginners. It's philosophy, H-E-I-D-E-G-G-E-R. Oh, the German. The yes, German yes. Philosophy. Just started, yes, just started yes. that okay. today. Um, but the book that has had, there's two books that have had the most influence on me that I will recommend. And one is The Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh. Okay. So that was the first book I ever read on mindfulness while I was in the treatment center that really created the space and the opening um, mm -hmm. and the Tao Te Ching. It's, I have the little Shambhala pocket classic book that's just all earmarked and I'll just grab it and flip open to whatever the reading is for the day. They're just short little writings on leadership, but those are my two books that have had the most impact on me. And entirely. what's the second one named? Tao Te Ching, the T-A-O-T-E-T-E-H and then Jing, like the I Jing. I had saw my altar. I'm like, read us a quote by for Lao Tzu, by Lao Tzu. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. My last question is, in the theme of Beyond the Bubble Bath, 
what is from this process, from you actually living this process and now teaching others, how has it created a way for you to love yourself even deeper? Mm, I love that question because the practice of allowing the now that I teach my clients is actually the greatest act of self-love that you can do for yourself. Because when you think about when we meet a new friend or a new intimate partner, what we want most from them is their time and attention, right? When we're building a relationship. And so if the outside is a mirror of the inside, what is that reflecting back to us? That we want our own time and attention. And so by doing the allowing the now practice, you're giving yourself the gift of your presence. Mm, to yourself. And so, yes. And so I always say that to get free from clutter in every area of your life requires your presence. Your presence is required. And you do that through allowing the now. It is the greatest act of self-love that you can do for yourself. Ah, so perfect. Which is why we kicked off February with Mel. How can people find you? <clears throat> ah, you can email me at info at declutteringspaces.com or you can download my book, Freedom from Clutter, absolutely for free at freegiftfrommel.com. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Make sure you get that. Make sure you get that book in your hands today and read it. Mel, I know that so many people listening in had so many ahas, so many epiphanies, and also have a simple place for them to start. So thank you for sharing vulnerably, for being so incredibly courageous. One, to take on life and decide that you had a reason to live and now look at the impact that you are making. And then also for sharing your story so courageously and also listening to the whisper and stepping in when you had that space to realize how you truly got to use your life in a way that created service for others. So thank you so much for that. And we are honored to have you on the show. Mm, thanks so much for having me. It's been my honor. You're welcome. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for today's show. If you are wanting to make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And because we are all about impacting and supporting others, if this is something you know that a friend or someone else would definitely get benefit of it, be sure to share it with them. Here's to living another day as grace on fire.